0: Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast with me, Michael Tingser. In today's podcast, I'm very, very excited to be joined by two Hospitality Mavericks, Dawn and Alan Spearing, husband and wife founders of The Chili Pickle, an Indian restaurant group from Brighton. We sat down to talk with Dawn and Alan about leadership, the challenge around expanding and the power of people and much, much more. You are in for a treat, so grab your headphones, coffee or whatever you need and enjoy. Welcome, Dawn and Alan to the Hospitality Maverick podcast and I'm very excited to have two local Brighton Mavericks on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having us.
2: Yeah, pleasure to be here.
0: Many people maybe don't know out there in the, in the big hospitality world who you are yet, but you have a, about more than 10 years behind you here in Brighton, just opened your second location That's in right, yeah. Guildford. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come back to that. And you won the numbers of awards. You won an award last week. I saw in London the Casual Dining Awards independent restaurant on the five units. Is yes. that correct?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So congratulations Thank on you that. Very sure much. First, it would be great for, for people that don't know who you are. You're very known down here to actually understand what is your story. How did you come up with the chili pickle? How did you English... People come up with an Indian restaurant concept.
2: Always, when I started out, I always wanted to be a chef. Many years ago, I went to Brighton Technical College, City and Guilds, you know, a common story. And then, and then just had that inkling and wonderlust to travel the world. And then over a period of 22 years, I did that. I ended up working in um, eight countries, four continents. Kind of started very classical, you know, sort of Austria, Germany, Switzerland, really old school, five-star deluxe hotels, you know, I mean, the the more senior the chef, the taller the hat, very regimented, large brigades, you know, you work from third commie, second commie, first commie, and and if within five years you've hit chef de party, you'd be very proud. But for me as a young man, I mean, it, it instilled sort of wonderful discipline and I guess, you know, a certain work ethic and, and 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 philosophies that have put me in good stead ever since you know with, with that wanderlust and, and the opportunity i guess the more experience and better i got the more opportunity to go further afield you know with more exotic countries and and then then the passion grew into i guess the cuisine of the southern hemisphere you know along that road me and dawn met in london in New Cross, you know, in a nightclub?
1: Yeah, it's not quite so glamorous sounding.
2: You, you know, then, then we, we've kind of shared the journey ever since. We kept travelling together. We worked in, in Dubai and Bermuda. and But at the end of it, you know, after 22 years, that idea to come back home and share our passion uh, with our firstborn and, um, you know, open up a restaurant that we both really yeah. love.
1: Yeah, my, my background's quite different to Alan's. So I used to work for the ambulance service. An ambulance technician, not hospitality. I'd had hospitality experience when I was a student and when I was at uni and, and things, you know, so I, I'd had experience in that respect. But still always very people-facing, involved in community and, and enjoying any kind of job that wasn't office-based. I liked the kind of flying by the... See if your pants as they say you know so for me it was a very natural thing to move into the front of house side of things for alan to be in the kitchen for me to be at the front and it worked really well didn't it so yeah when i met alan i mean it wasn't hey come and open a restaurant with me we were we met in new cross in southeast london and worked for the ambulance service and instead alan said hey come and live with me in bermuda so <laughs> woolwich or bermuda it's kind of uh, yeah so it was quite a romantic start we only had a couple of dates and then Alan went to start the job in Bermuda and I went and followed him. Mum hadn't even met him. It's quite whirlwind, wasn't it? it was Seventeen, eighteen years down yeah, the line now. Amazing. Two restaurants, two kids later. We moved to Dubai. So we both enjoyed the travel. And it, it was, it was that kind of point where we'd Reached where we'd just had our first child, and it was if we were ever going to do this, now's probably the time. Whilst the kids are going to be too young to realise how much mum and dad are working, we knew how absorbing it was. We were quite realistic in certain aspects. Yeah, we just wanted to come home. So it all kind of was born with a few conversations in Dubai and, and giving it a shot. We travelled India. We were very passionate about Indian cuisine. And then Chilli Pickle started.
0: So when you came back to Brighton and we're sitting in your the second mm. venue in Brighton today think, in yeah. Jubilee Street mm. How did you come up with it? Besides, you said you travel a lot in India and yeah. you're passionate about Indian food. How did you come up with, with the concept here? When you
1: say concept, it's not. It wasn't that clean cut. I think it's. I definitely think the hospitality industry has moved forward since. You know, when we first started talking about chili pickle, you were the first early talks about it. So you're probably touching on sort of 12 13 years ago, really, because we came back to UK. It took us a year to find a site. And we're coming into our 11th year in the summer it was more about making a restaurant that we would love to go to ourselves and then i think with regards to the cuisine being indian i mean for alan especially as a passionate chef it was about trying to be true to a cuisine that we thought that we could really back really
2: so They always wanted to have something that was quite rustic and, and kind of almost like a, a canteen in india but but still refined you so, so you know real real flamboyant food like, like so much of Indian cuisine is almost my sort of warts and all in your face but there's, there, there's so much detail behind it I mean and, and the flavour impacts I mean if, if ever I was going to be involved in, in any cuisine it would, would have always been that kind of southern hemisphere sort of big bold flavours you know really exciting in your face ingredients which is nothing against you know sort of that, that classic European but it's just you know my, my preference and always steered t- towards that side of Cuisine. Uh, the fact that it's Indian, you know, there was a few sort of instances along the way for me. I did uh, did a bit of a stint with um, the Cinnamon Club um, before uh, an expat position. So I spent some time with Vivek, and that that really kind of sparked passion. Directly to Indian cuisine. I Had loads of uh, exposure when I worked for Jumeirah in Dubai. As a brilliant uh, resort, I worked is the opening of Madinat. Initially, I went there as exec chef of a, a Moroccan restaurant. Um, so so been involved in all sorts of cuisines. And and to be honest, that was also a learning curve for me because I um, you know it was a very thoroughbred uh, Moroccan Arabic kitchen, and I kind of put my interpretation on the food and probably just stamped my template a little bit too strongly. And, and what I churned was was something that the expats loved, but the locals questioned its authenticity. And, you know, and then having the chili pickle now, it's, you know, I've learned a lot from that in the sense of when to push the boundaries, w- when to accept this should only be tweaked and tuned and when to leave stuff completely alone. But as I say, working in a lot of countries, you kind of get this this confidence of of working with different cuisines. But for us, opening the chilli pickle always wanted it to be something very different and, and a white couple... And I guess, you know, even specifically a white chef owning an Indian restaurant was kind of unheard of then. I know there's people in the industry that wrote about Indian cuisine, Pete Chapman and, you know, other folk. But actually having a stand-up restaurant, Wasn't you many. know, it's kind of unheard of. So So that was a sort of point from the outset and then the style of restaurants there was the, the fine dining London front the Cinnamon club or the tamarins and the Zika's and, and all of this and then there's I, I guess you know the real sort of North Indian kebab factory kind of a uh, Tayab style in, in, in East London and then, then it was the truly loved Bengali restaurant template we all know and we all grew up with and but outside of that and especially outside of London I think what we planned to do was something quite new and, and you know I think the thing that we knew with Brighton that is Brighton has always been quite eclectic, that there was an opportunity for us to offer something different and, and to potentially be accepted. So so that, that was kind of it really. I mean you know the template was great regional food maybe some quirky plays on the Anglo-Indian favourites, you know, your Madrasses, your Vindelis, a really nice in- environment, some great beers. I mean, craft beers was not a buzzword then, mm-hmm. definitely not. But because of all my time in, in Bavaria and North Europe, I had a great love of wheat beers and, you know, good strong Belgian beers and, and that, that opportunity that you can create a tasting menu from beers and also good wine as well, you know, that it, it didn't have to be just Cobra, you know, the, so, so the beverage side, The beers, the wines, you know, the loose teas Mm. that we'd sourced from Darjeeling. And we we were just so excited about so many elements that we could bring to the chilli pickle from the outset that we thought we'd make a real point of difference.
1: I think also there was so much of that influence, which is completely down to what we liked and what we enjoyed. A key word that we always threw around was accessible. We wanted the type of restaurant that everyone would feel comfortable in. You know, you've got your 21st birthday party celebration in one corner and then you've got someone else with all their shopping bags and their jeans and trainers that have just happened across us and given it a shot and we just wanted that buzz of enjoyment. We wanted the environment to feel relaxed and vibrant and colourful like India is. Like Anna said, the beer's was because of his experience. We had a meantime brewery, beers, because I'm from down the road from Greenwich. The food was everything that we both loved and enjoyed. The teas was what we loved and enjoyed. So it wasn't that kind of sitting around the table and thinking, what would people necessarily be looking for no we, 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 we didn't so it
2: wasn't a contrived you know what, yeah. what, what was going to be very saleable it was it was a layer of what was inside us our passion our history and, and we've tried to put that yeah. together in one small restaurant
1: and I think that's um, what makes things work the customers can see through a concept for us it was us on our hands and knees sanding the the woodwork and my dad did all of the painting on the first time I and mean, it was a real labor of love wasn't it and and we knew that it was going to take a lot from us so we knew that we had to be, if we were going to work 24-7 in our restaurant, it had to be what we loved. So I hope that shines through.
0: You are been on the road for 10 years, and there's been mm. a bit like a, a revival around casual dining engine concept. We yes. have Dishu, we mm. have Mobley, we mm. have other concepts coming now, and, and you as well has also just opened your, your second site, as yeah. you mentioned, in, in, in Guildford. So do you think that there's a, a revival around Indian food again has always been there
1: or? I think it's always been there. I don't know if it's a revival as maybe just a little bit of a shake-up maybe and and realising that it could work as a good casual dining concept. I think that's one of the things that's become quite obvious that it works and the the need for it and the want for it and the love for Indian food is there in England especially.
2: Everybody in the UK loves Indian food. It's it's part of who we are. So so Mm. why wouldn't it be? And I think with the general person on the street, their knowledge... Of, of through social media and TV and programs is is so much more complex now, and you know that they're, they're looking for the next experience. You, you know, so, so not really interested in that kind of standard cookie cutter. This this is day in day out. They're going to get the same thing. They'd rather go out and that opportunity to try something new and, and fresh and I think for, for us the beauty of India as a whole and, and as a passionate chef is there's always opportunity to give something new and, and I'm just learning all the time I mean it's such a vast land of different climates and lands and produce there's just so many different styles of cuisine so it was it was always from the outset about regional Indian cuisine, and the street food is part of that mix. So, 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 so we would never would have pegged ourselves as a street food uh, restaurant or, or a curry house or whatever, but but just I guess you know an, an Indian restaurant that embraces India as a whole. I guess it
1: mm. yeah. would be a shame not to. I think it's great that we're able to touch all the corners of the country.
0: Some people say that's a long time—ten years—to get to. Time, uh... yeah. <laughs> take the next step or sure. deciding on number two. And yeah. Maybe, was that something you thought about a long Yeah, time? well, well oh, I, yeah. I think,
2: you know, in thinking many ways, you know, we're probably quite green... In, in the business world two restaurateurs that have been kind of pure restaurateurs in, in the simplest sense of you know food hospitality ambience and all of that and we kind of kind of almost thought well we keep doing a good thing and someone will pop around one day and slap a suitcase full of cash <laughs> on the table and you know this would do great all over the world and, and we, we, we have we have learned a lot of slow lessons over the years and it is hard and it is frustrating and you do feel you know like a, a salmon swimming north you know sometimes but I think from all that we've learned it has made us incredibly resilient and strong and and I think you know we, we've got strong roots to who we are so so for us to grow now there's no reason why we can't grow at a good rate you know. and,
1: and also that want of kind of learning to walk before you run kind of thing you know we've we've always been very very conscious of not doing something that's going to be detrimental to what we've built I mean this is me and Alan, this we've we've sacrificed a lot for this, you know. As as much as you know, not not getting the violins out, but we have sacrificed a lot for this place. And so, for us to make any knee-jerk reaction decisions would be heartbreaking if it then fell down because it was too soon. It was completely us for a long time financially. We didn't have the means to move forward. Yeah, we moved from a small site to here at Jubilee Street. Then we started the takeaway. Then I got pregnant, <laughs> so we had our second child. And then, yeah, finding the right people to work with as well was, was a long process for us. And again, because of wanting to make sure that we felt like we had the right people around us.
0: Is there any ambitions now you're done number two? I know it's the early days mm. and it takes time to adjust. Just as a hundred percent increase of your business size, yeah. is there any plans of more, uh, <laughs> or are you again adjusting and finding your, your feet on that journey?
1: We're definitely adjusting, yeah. but um, but that's again that's us wanting to make sure we get it right and that we feel really happy with Guildford. But yeah, the hundred percent there's plans to want to move forward and and grow a
2: bit more right yeah yeah for sure i mean i mean you know the second site has been a massive challenge yeah. you know when we decided to you know be outside of of, of, of brighton that you know we wanted a, a demographic that was around about an hour away you d- we didn't want to hit london yet and I, I guess we sort of did the market towns and, and you know, Guildford for us seemed to tick a lot of the boxes but actually ha- having the second site has is, is, is been brilliant it's a beautiful site and you know it really is a is a perfect template for what chili pickle is i think you know one one of the biggest challenges is obviously finding the right management team you know that has been for us quite a challenge um you know you know we didn't hit the, the right people initially and, and we're kind of there now. It, it takes time, and we were always given the heads up that this is often the case when you go to your next site, and because you know, as the owner operator, where you're so used to being there and you know, it all compassing all the time, and then giving it, it up, that you've got to have that full full trust, and you know, that comes over a period of time. So, so I've kind of based myself loads in the second site sort of in the early days now and we've been six months and i think now we've kind of we've found some roots there you know we're starting to build nice nice local reputation you know that consistency is honing in uh, and then suddenly that philosophy is becoming more natural in the second site so you know now now i'm feeling the real necessity for, for to be back in in base and and you know kind of hone the, uh, the core to another level and I think that that's the only way then we can step to the third one is, is that now the the centre just needs to become that much stronger.
1: They say the second is the hardest and it certainly is and I think part of that is because you do almost get used to what you've got with your first. It's like having children. And kind of forget how bad labour really is then you go through it again and you go oh yeah that really hurt <laughs> you know and it's, it's part of that and and also we're much stronger in who we are and what what our concept is now you know we have got a brand we knew how important it was to get that and, you know the strength of brand gives confidence to the customers you know we've got to look like we're organized so the training of the front of house staff deemed much harder than we anticipated you know we had a Training packs and information, but actually, it was a lot more. We needed to be more involved with maybe getting some of the guys from Brighton to explain the ethos because. When in Brighton someone leaves and you replace them with someone new, it's just one person. You can really put a lot of energy and time into that person. When you're starting with a whole new team, you can train them as much as you want, but until you've got customers in front of them, they're not overly prepared for it. And so when you've got a whole brand new team, it's like wowzers! It's quite a shock to the system when you first start getting customers coming through the door. We've definitely learned a lot, and there's things that we would do slightly differently now, just because we can imagine a smoother more cleaner way to do certain things and again it is just me and alan you know we're kind of you, you know you do spread yourself a little bit too thin sometimes and um, i think if we do if we do a third it would definitely be much smoother i hope so anyway
0: <laughs> definitely something about that what you're telling there that i can reflect on my own journey as well mm. when you you're open very fast. At some point, it's going to go fast. It always does. And it's the people factor when you start scaling that and your ability to, to be present in the same way as you were before. Mm-hmm. And it's not just mentally, but it's also physically be there because they used to see you. You don't have to say anything. Sometimes you just have the visibility of the yes. leader. So, yeah, that's very understandable. That's mm-hmm. a challenge. So so you feel like many others when they go on this journey, Well, the people factor is the challenge, the yes. massive challenge. The, and then the consistency of... A product, of course, but that's that's in a way you you can fix that with mm. the right people.
1: But the people are your voice right they're the ones that are talking to your customers they're the ones that talk to their friends and people they meet when they're down the pub and they say where do you work and it's the chili pickle. like, oh wow I love that place you are at the mercy of your team really so you've got to make sure that you are behind them and you instill the right ethos and that you are a a positive good employer and you know and it's it's really really important and and we love that part of it as well I mean we love one of the beauties of hospitality is that eclectic mix of people that you come across is amazing and uh, the people that I'm friends with now and people that are in our lives would never have happened if we weren't involved in hospitality and at a restaurant
2: philosophy has always been about teaching and training and, and mm-hmm. nurturing I mean going back to Dubai I, you know that I had a role sort of part of the Moroccan restaurant and then, then they moved me on into kind of a roaming role within the resort and I would go into different kitchens and, and help the chefs you know with the menus or presentation or tastings and, and also I started up a you a school for the sort of different skill sets for for the young chefs whether that be cutting of vegetables or classic sauces or soups you know I I think for me and and probably dawn now that we've got the opportunity as we grow to almost sort of kick back into what we're really good at Mm. you you know kind of honing again of you know that real passion for the food and, and trying to relay that passion to the, the you the younger or the, or the less experienced chefs and, and then to come back here now I can see all of that growing I mean I'm you know really excited at the opportunity you know going back to when we first started the, the chili pickle you know I've always had a, a, an immigration license that allows you to bring from overseas whether that be India, Dubai or, or wherever I think The last six years has been um, longer than that now. I think as as far as the takeaway clause, so that's allowed you. You're not able to bring in unless there's you know very quite complicated small details, very high salaries. So you know initially I had almost speciality Indian chefs. In every role, you know, normally always the the tandoor chefs were from Rajasthan, you know, which they're incredibly famous for. I always had speciality South Indian chefs, you know. I even had Indian sweet chefs, you know, halwayo chefs. Uh, so so it was kind of a master in each section. Now that's kind of broken down now to what is a very uh, a very European kitchen we have, you know, especially being outside of London. But my my skills have allowed me to to sort of morph into these sort of restricted times. And although I, I would. love the opportunity to bring from overseas from India again because I think it's quite important to keep that cycle you know of talent and also the current talent that are in the UK keeps people on their toes you know rather than kind of that stagnation of, of more expectations and less output. We've got wonderful young people from, from whether it be from North Europe or Eastern Europe or England that have come through the ranks and are able to do, you know, sort of great Indian skilled, you know, as, as bread chef or or tandoor chef to a standard that we're incredibly happy about. You know, that, that the customer would not recognise. That's kind of, I guess, testament to to surviving and being able to flourish with, with the certain restrictions around you. But
1: hopefully also that in enjoyment of what we do and that Alan's passion bleeds through the ranks so that people are more inclined to stay in the kitchen and work with us. I mean, we we like to promote from within. I think it's really important if you can help people get onto the career path, especially. And Alan's skills at at teaching and helping people move forward is, is brilliant and we never say no to someone that shows interest in wanting to work in the kitchen. I think it's it's a, it's a great workplace. I think we've really helped to flourish in that respect as well, haven't we? Which is exciting. We love
2: it. And, and it was it was also a fight as well to find that transition in the early days where it was still predominantly South Asian chefs in the kitchen that, that kind of, you know, that people don't understand the real taste if they're not from a certain area. You know, for, for me, from being from the outside, this was quite frustrating and no disrespect whatsoever because there's definitely a purity of ability that can really shine through at the the highest level. But at the end of the day, you know, being being a chef, it, it is a craft, and a craft can be taught... And it can be learned, you know, and if, if there is a will, is very doable from both sides. But there needs to be a level of passion and, and, and hunger from both sides. Uh, and I think we try to put that across.
0: Where do you get your inspiration from? Do you still travel a lot in India to continue innovating the concept? Because yeah. I guess the, the customers, even though they love their regular curry, they also want to see new stuff on the menu.
1: Completely. Yeah, no, we, we try to go to India every year. We've we've not managed it this year, but that's opening another restaurant that's kind of put a little bit of hold on that, haven't it? We go India every year, take the kids. We always try and go somewhere different. The itinerary is usually led by what food we want to eat. <laughs> and, yeah, 100%, we, we need to eat when we're there. We like to reconnect with the country and just em- embrace the whole cultural side of, of
2: being there but yeah. whenever we come back we're always you know fired full of, of yeah. passion and, and hunger you know can't wait to get stuck into the to the menu and, and make some changes I mean I always go out to India with an empty suitcase and I always oh. fill it with um, kind of local cookbooks and I uh, you know I have I've got um you know well over five six hundred Indian cookbooks home and you know lo- loads of obscure ones and, and that's that's another passion for me I just sit at home kitchen table pull out 20 25 books and just just sit in the afternoon and just flick through and just brainstorm a little bit, and, yeah. you know, just ideas each time, and and kind of almost go back to that every every month or so. I just get into that mode, and, and 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 there's there's so much opportunity to learn. I mean, one one is obviously the chefs that have come through the ranks, you know, always trying to pull from themselves what they they cook at home. You know what what they're passionate about obviously the industriousness of, of, of books and everything and then when we do go to India you know we will pick a place that is famous for a certain type of cuisine or whatever and then we will search out the, the very best opportunity of that cuisine you know whether it be on the streets or at the highest level in the most sort of the regal of hotels you know I mean yeah. you can get the very best from both sides in India and we do so again and again
1: uh, yeah when we go to India I mean we will go and eat in a nice fine dining restaurant and then for lunch we're going and having some street food and we're trying to tick all the boxes of different ranges of food that we can have when we're out there yeah
2: I, I mean it wouldn't necessarily be fine dining in the sense of the plate presentation but you, you know for example you know ITC Dumpak in, in in Delhi yeah. you know is a very famous very very sort of opulent hotel, you know, very very, very pricey. But the, the, the Mughalai, you know, the North Indian cuisine is 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 so good, you know, the very best of ingredients, you know, the, the best chefs producing it and, and the bread and the kebabs and everything. Absolutely sublime. And then you know, and then we will go to the old back streets, the alleyways of old Delhi and we will have a you know kebab at Kareem's, you know, and, and pay a hundredth of the price and also be blown away. But I think, you know, too many things can become clichés and for people to say, oh, all the best food in India is in the streets... Yes, some of it is, but some of the worst is as well. And, you know, the same with, you know, some of the best hotel food or restaurant food that you can get is Which is the same is as
1: anywhere in the yeah. world, you know. It's, it's trying to touch base with people. And, you know, we've got some contacts out there, so we've eaten in people's own family homes and stuff. And when we arrive, one of the first things we do is we check in, is we give our cards and say, check out our website, see what we're about, where do you want us to eat, you know. And, you know, we'll do things like sit in a car for four hours to go to a local, well, What's class as the nearest toddy shop, so that we can experience something, and, and we love it as well. Because for people that are working in the hotel, they love sending us to these wild and wonderful places, and then we'll come back and like, what do you think? What do you think? Did you enjoy it? Because you know we go to non-tourist areas as well, and the kids are very used to being um, plonked in the back of a car to travel for three hours for lunch, and uh, they just get on with it, and they, they love coming with us to India as well. Now, don't they? It's it's great fun. There's no doubt about
0: it, it's under the skin. Oh, yeah, your, your concept! I, I can hear that. Yeah. It's very—it's almost movement sitting listening oh, to me. No. <laughs> Um So now you become part of a multi-unit operator, but two and more in the pipeline. How are you looking now on in the industry? Because often when you go from that running that one restaurant, and you talk to some of the struggles about growing a business and the people side, the consistency. How do you see the, the industry where you are now? Because it is uh, it is uh, you can say a challenging time for the industry and there's there's bad news almost you know every week yeah. about especially about the more established concept and change Sure.
2: oh it's
1: exceptionally hard
2: and and it was kind of that all sort of come to a head almost when when we sort of put the signature on the second site you, yeah. you know and, <laughs> and who knows what, how things happen in life you you just cannot control can you you know, we went into Guildford and then immediately a bunch of places closed around us. It wasn't tumbleweeds of escaping from New York, but it did have a little bit of a... Yeah, we, you a, know, a, a we're next door to a that
1: Maplins that shut down and was opposite to Cow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think we was only in for like two weeks and then yeah.
2: that's when Cow went. But we, we, We've always been quite brave. I mean, Meeting House Lane, where we first started, previous few operators failed there. Yeah, we started at the beginnings of the recession in, in, in August 2008. So that's kind of all we knew from the early days days you know coming here this this site had had failed previously twice through london operators is a beast of a restaurant if you can compare it to you know the meeting house lane little bistro but we 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 tackled that and you know maybe there is an element of our head that's sort of of the brains blocked off of of fear of a certain thing but we did i
1: I think yeah i think you know we're not gung-ho to the point that we just will do anything you know I think a big thing is we really truly believe in the product because of that we you know it's us and it's like you said it is from the heart and I know that sounds like a bit of a cliche and you know it's a bit but It is, this is who we are. And and so the last previous sites we've had have always been failed sites and it still works. There's so much of that that we know that the product will shine through. You know, it was another big site that we moved to Guildford. But it's exceptionally tough. It's a really hard industry to make money in. And I think when someone that's not involved in the industry will come in, you know, if you come into the chilli pickle on a Saturday night, and it's absolutely splitting at the seams and every table was full. And, you know, was like, wow, they must be in it and this is amazing. But the rent is big. The rates is big. You know, labour costs are, you know, it's quite a labour intensive food that we do. So we're not pizza. There's lots of different elements. You know, the electricity companies, as soon as you're a business to have your rubbish taken away, all of this. So when you get down and you break it down, you get to the very, very bottom line there's never really that much left and then suddenly the dishwasher will pack up so you'll have to get that done, you know so there's always challenges being thrown your way and I think it is quite difficult I think the consumer is changing they're becoming much more demanding and rightly so in what they expect from you I think that's why casual dining is moving forward customers expect more from their casual dining it's not either box standard throw the food in front of you or you're paying through the nose for a real top dollar kind of place and i think that's right so i think there's a lot of the larger operators that are probably trying to bring it back into in again and and rethinking it a little bit and focusing on the sites that are working and putting more energy into those it's not about how many sites you've got now i think it is changing a little bit in that respect and also there's much more offerings out there you've got to be good because otherwise you just walk 30 seconds down the road and you've got something else to choose from so you've got to stand out and you've got to have that point of difference and, and show that you care about what you're doing and the customer wants to feel respected, and they should do. They're paying their hard-earned cash. Everyone's struggling at the moment. So if someone is working Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, and you know working really hard, if they're going to spend any of that money in my restaurant, I want them to feel that I am appreciative of the fact that they've given me a shot. And that they want to spend their money at my restaurant, and I want them to come back and feel, you know, maybe we're not the cheapest option if you're going to have Indian food. But I hope that when people leave, they feel that every penny that was spent was worth it.
0: So where do you think the industry is going to go now? There's always going to be a restaurant industry. My yeah. mom always said there's always going to be work for the restaurateur and the undertaker. Yeah, no matter what. You're going to eat and for you're going
2: sure. to die. I think probably one of the biggest challenges is going to be in labour. You know, and how you can manage that. Definitely, I've I've had to change as as a chef and, and uh, a person. And how I manage things and believe that I have to change all the more and, and the, the, the kind of the philosophy that we need to be much more motivators, nurturers, yeah. you know, fathers rather than disciplinarians and to, to make a really sort of a fun, yeah. enjoyable place for people to work. If you've got a staff member for a year now, it is, it's a nice period of time. So so that when you've got, you know, well over a hundred staff is very, very costly to the business. So, so you really want to be able to keep your staff and for your staff to grow the business. So, so the philosophy, of character has, has, has got to change uh, largely and then as far as you know numbers and, and productivity, you know, what we're looking as a business, how we can become more productive in everything that we do, you know, is very, very serious because if we're not, then, then you know, like everyone, then the bottom line becomes a real challenge. Um, so, you know, we're trying to look out of the box now on how we can improve things through through production and through the restaurant, through crossover and continuity and through not repeating jobs and all these little elements that we're hoping is going to make us a, a slicker, but also a more organise and control business as well because sometimes i think when people are in a sort of a a chaotic busy environment is is not conducive to to long-term well-being
1: yeah and especially for independents, i think with the increase in wages which is needed you know the cost of living is going up but as a small independent it's how do you absorb that cost without just constantly pushing it back onto the consumer otherwise the cost of living constantly goes up it's just a vicious circle isn't it for us it's trying to understand how we can become more efficient in our workplace which not only gives more comfort to the staff because they feel it's a better environment to be working in it's more enjoyable. We all know what it's like when you're at school and the substitute teacher comes. There's chaos but after a couple of days you're wishing for that teacher to come around that's going to make sure everything's organised and in place. So it's trying to put all those systems in place to make sure that that's there and also then the efficiency hopefully means that it's more organised output so that the staffing levels are right because that's one of our biggest expenditures is is labour and it's, it's trying to manage all of that. All these increases are coming on and because when you are just an independent you feel it quite dramatically and then obviously it's not just about the national living wage if that goes up then you've got to have that difference between those guys and the managers otherwise everyone becomes on so you have got to so it's for the whole team that you then get those increases so it's it's trying to make it is a bit of a juggling act of, of managing it all the other side is that the consumers are eating out more i mean you know i remember when i was a kid going out for dinner was a special occasion now my kid's Expect to go out at least once a week and eat out, you know, and young people too. You know, before it would be going to the pub and having something to drink, where now everyone goes out for dinner, it's much more part of our mindset.
0: You mentioned the consumer a couple of times. Mm. How do you see they are moving? Because how they move probably is quite important for you as an operator to yeah. to see yeah i mean all this there's less money to spend but it will still go out for sure agree yeah.
2: with that. I, I, and also they've all got a voice haven't they i mean yeah. everybody mm. has a voice now yeah, and that voice changed. can be positive and it can be very derogatory to to your business and you know the amount of 21 year old foodies is, is you know is incredible and you know it's, it's sure is a good thing and you can you can be skeptical and say there's a lack of experience there but but it has to be a good thing for the industry and all of these inspectors coming through the restaurant all the time is, you know, we try and perceive it as a good thing as well, that to keep a consistent type business, if everybody's getting the same quality of service and food, then we're controlling a, a much better business model. I mean, we, you know, we always kind of, since day one, try to peg ourselves with certain awards that, that's kind of a flag for quality and consistency, and we still do, but but there's there's so much more outside around that now. Even us giving out the common cards, which we do to all of our customers with the bill it's, it's a great feedback for us yeah, you and that, have
1: to listen to your consumer the
2: consumer's voice is just bigger than it's ever been it, it really is
1: like Anna said we give out comment cards we do we look at TripAdvisor our reservation system encourages people to give reviews you've got Google reviews everybody's got a voice and it's, it's really important to listen to them and, and I think that's how you hopefully keep an understanding of what the market's doing and what your consumers want. And I'd like to think that another reason that we've been around for so long is that as much as we do believe in our product, we also are um, open-minded enough to listen to what people have to say.
2: Yeah, and a little bit healthily fearful Yes,
1: we're very healthily fearful. You know, I mean,
2: I think... You know, every, every time, all, all through the years, every time, you know, the restaurant's a little bit quieter than it should be on a lunch day or whatever, you know, both of us are chomping at the bit with concern. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's put us in good stead to keep on it, keep tweaking and tuning and staying fresh. And, and that's another massive factor. Never stand still because all those, all those good around you, the new people with fresh ideas that they will just, you know, come up and just surpass you, you know, whereas, yeah. We've kind of proved ourselves in Brighton that we've been here 10 years and we've been doing a good thing for 10 years so so through that you know we've become an establishment an institution and 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 something that's very trusted so although there's a lot of young mavericks and and great restaurants that have come up over the last 10 years we're we're always kind of on people's periphery because you know we're one of the Brighton establishments that people know is a good place to get some exciting food and a nice enjoyable place but that is one of the
1: challenges as well I mean the the lifespan of a restaurant isn't usually 10 years you know so to keep that energy and that vibrancy and 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 keep moving forward is we're very aware of it and we've still got that energy and and that's what's keeping us going as well i think you do have to see what's going on around you and and see what's happening and But it's, you know, I think the industry itself is really exciting. All that, you know, when people are opening, we never see it as a negative, oh God, there's another restaurant opening. We love the thought that Brighton has moved forward so much now that you could come here and easily have a foodie weekend and a great foodie weekend, you know. And for us in Guildford, where we are, where there's a couple of places that close and we can't wait for new places to move in because it's going to give energy to the area. It's good to have that healthy competition and to be backing each other up. And, you know, we eat out a lot and we, we enjoy dining out and, and all of that is it's got to be part of what it is and i guess
0: also for the consumers now it's become a bit of a hobby as well yeah like 100%. Out, but i can remember yeah, yeah, as you yeah. said when i was a kid as well and my mom and i have a rest of toast as well when i was taking out it was like every three months or something yeah like, well, Birthday, so you can eat what was yeah. left in the kitchen but also i guess when you then you're very known liked and trusted in Brighton, and then suddenly you move your business to Guilford Story. where they don't know you yes. has that been a bit, a bit of the journey as well where y- you yeah. surprised I, I yeah. mean we,
2: we probably should have rewound 10 years in our heads a little bit more there's definitely an awareness you know out there but just Possibly not, not as much, I think, you know, as far as Guildford's yeah. concerned. So, so, so we didn't quite hit the ground running as anticipated. And that, that was paired with a beautiful, hot summer. I and mean, it was, it was a real... And the football, <laughs> you know, and then, then Indian food is un, unfortunately you know, not associated with uh, lunchtime and a really hot day. But it just, you know, a, f- a few things against us. We, we sort of dug in now and we've dug in for the last six months and then we, we've changed our PR way we're doing things and rather than a bit of a national uh level we've kind of gone local and, and we sort of really you know got involved in the council or, or visit Guildford and you know on a little, not more on the streets and to understand what Guildford's all about um you know we have a nice rapport with um, them like radio station Peter Gordon and yeah. it's just I, I think we've kind of turned around and treated it like a new restaurant again and through doing that I I think we've created you know a nice buzz about town and you know now we're kind of more secured in in the way that we're sitting there yeah
1: and and that's another one of our lessons of understanding that it takes time when I now remind myself of those first six months in meeting house like my god it was so hard there was a a real emotional roller coaster and and this time has been a real emotional roller coaster it's that you know the fear and going oh god why are we not busy enough and then you know and and making sure that we get that message out there of what we're about And, and remembering as well that no matter how much you market and you do social media you do all these different things it's word of mouth people trust their friends and their family so there has to be an element of that waiting for people to come and eat and hopefully blow them away and then they'll, they'll come and tell their friends and that's how it grows we're definitely feeling that incline now and, and feeling much more confident
0: people talk a lot about what consumers doing it right now it's delivery the ordering online before it was by phone but i can remember hmm. i can't remember how many years ago but i can remember i was down here visiting family and we got a delivery from you guys and that was yourself you did deliver yeah. yourself
1: sure. before delivery days yeah
0: you don't do that anymore is that no. correct you moved away from that yeah. that's that would be quite interesting to hear your your journey just just shortly on, on delivery because yeah. everybody's talking about it like this is the new you know golden recipe for saving your restaurant business sometimes
1: delivery has definitely changed the playing field on all of that and, and when we wanted to do delivery and do takeaway There was the demand. People kept asking us, you know, are you going to do it? And we were worried about it being detrimental to the restaurant. You know, it was food that was still going to represent who we were. So we didn't want it to be a substandard product. So we put a lot of energy into it, a lot of thought. We designed the boxes. That was all from us, sitting down with a piece of paper and drawing ideas and and trying to bring that element of, you know, when you're travelling in India on the trains and and how we would emulate that to be delivered. We got a website designed. We opened up. We were busier than we anticipated. And we had to keep shutting down the website because we couldn't cope we then got a different website designed and did it like your online shopping where you book time slots and you would book online so that was a new thing that no one was doing at the time apart from maybe delivery if they were in London where they were starting out but it's very different it's a different beast you know to deal with delivery drivers you know on a Friday night when it's a part-time job that delivery driver will call up and say I'm not coming into work today my plans have changed To them, it's because it's just that little part-time pocket money job. To us, it's like, oh God, a driver down on a Friday is a lot of money because they would be taking all those orders out for you. So when it moved forward and it was literally just the lease on our delivery cars had come up and it was making a decision whether to do it again and Deliverer had just moved to Brighton and they approached us and it took the logistical side out of the business, which was the most challenging part of the takeaway it needed to be managed quite closely it was quite quite a difficult job you know we're not logistics and to work out postcodes and right you can do these three orders because they're in the same cluster of areas and you know we didn't have algorithms and all of these IT minds that could make it work and do it for you it's just us literally with a map putting in the postcodes on Google Maps and working out the best way no, to do I mean, it.
2: We, we had four four smart cars with front seat side seat taken out plus a pulled forward as well so it's five cars and we, we were doing you know 95 orders on a Friday Saturday we, we, we thought we'd well exceed that with Deliveroo they, they said they could do however many we wanted and fortunately it's never really exceeded that I mean we we, we do an amazing business with delivery, but I, I, I think for us to take away the you know like Dawn, Dawn says the logistics it was just something that it's just so alien to the normal business to, to our skills that either we would have, would have had to have got someone in very strong in that scent or, or it would have just pulled us away from the business too much more in the long and term it's right? quite
1: difficult to employ for I mean takeaway realistically is later in the week well, people have their habits you know you have your Wednesday people Wednesday's takeaway yes. day or whatever you know it's really for a two-hour window That's kind of when people want to eat, where we had to have permanent fixtures of employers, employees even, sorry. So with delivery, it meant that if we had those quiet nights, it didn't affect our labour costs. I wasn't suddenly saying, oh, I don't want to send those guys home because they've only just come in, but it's not looking busy enough. And it was that juggle where the beauty of delivery was if we were quiet, we didn't need drivers, we didn't have to pay them. If we were busy, hopefully they had enough drivers that were working that could cope with the demand. So that was the biggest pull for us of using someone like delivery because they were able to have that amount of drivers because they had so many other restaurants that they were working for so that they were constantly busy. They've changed as the time's gone by there's been lots of people unhappy with them and it's worked for us it's it's made it less of a headache for us with the logistical side
2: of it when we did do the delivery though i mean again i, I think we were pretty out yeah. there i mean it means you know to create the grand tally box you know kind of almost the the ultimate tv dinner you slide the box open and it emulated everything from the king tally that you can have at the chili pickle for lunch mm. You know, so sort of 13 elements on your lap, absolutely Indian feast for one. And on the back of that, you know, we created all sorts of really, really amazing PR for ourselves. I mean, we're you know, the the British Curry Awards, we were four times national winners, of best takeaway service. Mm. It's again, kind of as a business, I guess, trying to sweat your assets, trying to be as, as creative as possible in order to make a business out of it.
1: And still being the right voice for the restaurant. You know, you talk about listening to your consumers when you've got a customer in the restaurant, you get the vibe if they're not enjoying it. They're not too happy, you know. You can sort of double check them if they don't look like they are eaten the food. Make sure they're okay, and you can damage control and, and see what you can do. With the takeaway, the food is going to the customer. And you're not there; you can't see them eating. You can't see what how they're feeling about it. So, to make sure that the product is of the standard that we feel happy with and that we were confident with, was a long thought process for us. We we didn't want the consumer to feel. It was we a diluted chili picker yeah, experience. absolutely. Yeah. It had to feel like it was us. We're really proud of it, actually. I think you, you sometimes when you're in the depths of it, you don't step back and look onwards. And, and when we do sometimes think like that, which is usually involved with a couple of glasses of red wine or whatever, <laughs> and we're reminiscing about the days. Think, oh, blimey. You know, that was quite... We, we never thought that that would happen with that, you know.
0: So you were actually early out on the casual dining scene as I can hear on thinking about delivery because now mm. that's a, a standard that. yeah. and everybody's doing a delivery mm. edition kitchen and so on yeah so on your journey or in your, in your life who is your you know mentor you look up to or just be one you need to talk with every day but who's your hero That's probably a better way of phrasing. Who is your hero? Who were you looking at when you are running your restaurant business? Is this one from the industry or is it a a person from outside this industry?
2: I I think now, you know, I think probably we look to each other. I think, you know, starting out as a young chef, what got me stimulated and excited, you know, to enter the industry was, was kind of the, you know, the old classic guard, you know, the Rue brothers and, the, you know, Nicole Landinis and Pierre Kaufman and, and all of those, you know, that, that's that's who got me into the industry in the first place. You know, since i been some amazing uh, experiences with Indian chefs and, you know, particularly Vivek when I first started the, the, the idea and, you know, the stint I did then at the cinnamon club. All, all you know, so many chefs, chefs I've worked uh, overseas you know sort of snippets that you've taken from different people and 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 different experiences but I think now is you know there's not like that photograph that we'd go to look at and you know see is (laughs) that
1: we've not got a shrine (laughs) (laughs)
2: anymore but but, but, But I think
1: but I think maybe that is part of it is because we're in this together yeah. The the first person I will speak to with anything I'm not sure about is, is Alan, you know, and, and the same for, for Al, you know, with, with menu ideas, although I'm not a chef, he'll run it past me and, you know, we work together, but we also have elements of our job that we aren't together, especially now we've got two places and I'm not so industry led. I mean, I got into this game when I met Al as we mentioned and there's so many strong working mothers out there now that it's I think there's lots of people that I can get influence from and especially the way the world is now with social media you you witness so many different people nowadays that you wouldn't have contact with and and you touch base with people and um, I think there's so many great examples of People with good work ethics and managing the juggle and have a great ethos and and have a belief in what they do and entrepreneurs and there's lots of different people you can get out there with and there's great people in the industry, you know. You did the casual dining awards that we were at last week, just for us we love going to those kind of things because you meet people that you've not met before that are in the same game as you. I mean the restaurant magazine they do lots of conferences that we like to go to and listen to speakers because you always get things from that. There's loads of people in the industry that you can look on to and go, oh, yeah, there's that's someone doing something really great there.
0: So in the end of the podcast we yeah. always ask for uh, a good advice for somebody either, you know, a manager or somebody that want to go on the journey you guys mm. is on. What is the best advice you can give if you only could give them one advice? So you can give two because you're two on the podcast, one <laughs> each.
1: One of the things that we keep having to remind ourselves of as well like, is having that self-belief and trust in your judgment. I think sometimes your gut is telling you something and you try and not listen to it because you're probably a bit nervous about what you, you're hearing. And, but not, you know, most of the time I think to myself, I should have just listen to myself. It's great to take on influence from other people, it's great to speak to people in the industry and it's great to get words of wisdom but at the end of the day you are living and breathing what you're doing and it's got to be you and it's got to be true to who you are because otherwise people will definitely see through that. So for me the biggest advice I'd, I would give anybody is to believe in yourself because you're doing it.
2: Sure and then, then to marry that <laughs> I, I, I'd say to pair that, uh, that passion from the heart I, I think and being a little bit old school and and running your own business is be prepared to work hard and, and for the long haul. Yeah. Because you know, hard work over a given period with some passion and, 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 and flair will hopefully always shine through for you.
0: Great so. words of wisdom. That was amazing uh, <laughs> advice advice suppose you're very clear on it as well. So Don and Al, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and inviting me down here in your your restaurant. If you heard the bustle in the background, yeah, it was just after lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry
1: about the Thanks
0: for having us. But that brings the podcast to life. So uh, thank you very much and uh, speak to you soon. Cheers.
2: Thanks.
0: Wow. Thank you, Dawn and Alan, for your story, insight, and amazing advice. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, review, share, or subscribe to one of our channels. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your support. We hope you enjoyed today's Hospitality Mavericks podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. Tune in next time for another industry do. And In the meantime, find out more about us at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening, and be maverick!